0: Pastor Ray Bentley says the first step in getting the help we need is realizing we need help.
1: Maybe the very first time we were really honest in our lives that we will never forget is when we heard the gospel and we finally admitted that I am lost and I need to be found, that I am a sinner and that I am broken and and that I need to be forgiven and healed and I need a savior.
0: Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Even the most powerful antidote does absolutely no good if it's ignored. Such is the case with the antidote for sin, Jesus' gift of eternal life through the price He paid at Calvary. Today, we'll see what a radical spiritual healing that brings about in our lives when we accept Christ as Savior.
1: Let's open our Bibles to the book of James, chapter 5. How many would agree that you are totally open for God helping you a little bit more in this season? Anybody use a little extra help? (laughs) I could. Well, the title of the message, as you see in your notes, is Help Has Arrived. Specifically, we're going to talk about the only place in the Bible, the whole Bible, from Old to New Testament, that gives a prescription for what you do and how you do it when you are sick. It also deals with affliction and how to respond to that. Even though this passage I've known, I have taught the book of James before, the Lord showed me some new and, and some fresh insights that no doubt have always been there, but presented it in a new way. So I'm excited to kind of share that with you guys. Verse, I'm gonna start with verse seven and uh, you know, we'll, get up to verse 12, which is the first verse I want to talk about, but just so you have the flow of what he's been saying. He says, therefore, be patient, brothers and sisters, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. We see the signs developing and we are anxious, (laughs) excited to be with the Lord. But in the meantime, we need to be patient. See how the farmer waits For the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed, the word blessed means, oh, how happy are those who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. We told the story of Job and all that the poor guy suffered. But in the end, and that's what I want you to notice here in the end of verse 11, The end intended by the Lord is that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. That's the end. If you are in trials, uh, probably we're all in trials of one kind or another, then know this, you're not at the end. This will not always be like this. Um, You will move on you will move forward. There is an end in mine and the end is compassion and mercy. So hang in there. Be patient. Stay with the Lord. And the Lord is coming. Uh, the fruit and the harvest will come. Now in verse 12, he says, but above all. So this is kind of the end of the paragraph is where we pick up this morning. So after all these pretty encouraging and, and inspiring exhortations, he now says, but above all that, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. James has had a lot to say about the tongue. He's given us all the misuses, obviously, of the tongue and how that that can, you know, we can use it to complain and grumble and all of that. But he's also given us the positive uses, which are to praise the Lord and speak the truth and encourage one another and, and build one another up with all of that. Now, he's also here, though, saying something that's very important, a sign of discipleship that you are a follower of Jesus Christ and they're actually, you know, growing up. Okay, you're saved. A lot of people, they get saved and then that's it and they stagnate the rest of their lives as if, well, I've got, I know I'm going to heaven and so I'll live my life until I go to heaven. But God has so much more for us. We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to begin feeling and experiencing and tasting the glory of heaven right here, right now. But that will require the desire to grow up, to mature, to not be a little child anymore. And one of the greatest measures of our maturity is how we use our tongue, how we use our words. 2,000 years ago, they would swear that they were telling the truth and they would impress you with all these, I swear by the gold of the temple and, and all these different oaths that they would make. Now, this is not unique uh, to their time. Uh, it, every generation, because the world is full of sinners, we, every generation struggles with of human beings telling the truth. We, Our culture has become very sophisticated about it. Sometimes even with our advertising, uh, with a little bit of exaggeration and then kind of supposedly making fun and with a wink, wink, we're really lying about all kinds of products. Oh, this is gonna make you younger, healthier, happier. It's the best thing since sliced bread. You know, ha, 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 and really they're just lying. And then you buy it and it doesn't perform as it was supposed to be. I don't know if you've ever had people that, when they come up to you and they have to swear that they're telling the truth. I swear that I'm, I swear that I'm telling the truth. Now, if somebody has to swear and with oaths and all of this that they're telling you the truth. What they're really saying is, now look, I know I lie all the time to you, but, but this time I really mean it. <laughs> we lie all the time. George MacDonald is a name that probably most of you are not familiar with, but how many of you have heard or read, or now recently seen the movies of C.S. Lewis? Okay, you've all seen, heard of C.S. Lewis. Well, who influenced him? There's a guy, a Scottish preacher named George MacDonald. George MacDonald, and he wrote this one book and and it was kind of a a fantasy book, but it had Christian themes in it. C.S. Lewis, who was a middle-aged, hardcore, professor, atheist, you know, at Oxford and and, uh, Cambridge. But he got this book by George MacDonald, got onto the train and he says, when I finished the book before I got off the train, I had been translated to another world, and I was not the same man. So that shows you how powerful this guy was. Well, George MacDonald one time wrote this. He said, I always try, I think I do, to be truthful. All the same, I do tell a great many lies. And I I don't know why, but it just, it cracks me up. You know, as a pastor, I'm a storyteller. I love to tell stories. and." I want you to know that all the stories that I've ever told for the last 30 years are all true and some of them actually happened. Uh, (laughs) We all can tend to exaggerate a little bit, but the truth is very important. And by the way, talking about uh, the truth. It is that moment for all of us who have been born again that maybe the very first time we were really honest in our lives that we will never forget is when we heard the gospel and we finally admitted the obvious truth that I am lost and I need to be found, that I am a sinner and that I am broken and and that I need to be forgiven and healed and I need a savior. Coming to Christ is a radical moment and beginning of truth. And what's the result of finally telling the truth? You get saved, you get forgiven, you get healed, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Well, beginning telling the truth, if that brings salvation, growing in speaking of the truth is the road to full maturity, to the full measure of the stature of Christ. And, And so it's something that, in fact, Jesus put it this way, You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you what? Free. The truth sets you free.
0: Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray's homecoming to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them.
1: We love you, Pastor Ray, and we miss you. What a blessing that we were all able to hear and experience God through His passion for the Word and His ability to simplify and make things humorous and fun. I miss His contagious laugh. He had the best laugh. God please be with His family and friends.
0: At Maranatha Radio, the love and support the Bentley family have received is overwhelming and very much appreciated. If you'd like to express your thoughts and tell us how these messages have impacted your life, would you take just 60 seconds and write an email? Send it to Ray at RayBentley.com or post it on our homepage at RayBentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley.
1: One of the frustrating things for me personally and probably in your own experience as well, is that there are so many people who are, they don't know the Lord and they're not walking with God, and yet what they, when you talk to them, what they've actually rejected is not the real Jesus. Who they are angry at or whatever is not the God that I know or the God of the Bible. They have wrong concepts, totally out of touch with reality. It's not true. And I, I, every once in a while, I'll have a conversation, and say, okay, so tell me, what is it about you know, God or Jesus? that you're?" And they spin this yarn, and I go, well, I would reject that too, and I'm a pastor. And they go, well, what do you mean? I said, you're not rejecting Jesus. You're, you're describing something that has nothing to do with him or the heart of the Father as he is revealed here. And then you begin, so the truth is powerful. The truth is liberating, the truth sets free. We are to grow in the truth. And Ephesians 4, verses 14 and 15, a little cross-reference here that I put in your notes. Let's read this scripture out loud together. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. So... You know, there, there, there were people then, right after the real Jesus had really died and really resurrected and real miracles were happening, and people from every nation, language, kindred and tribe were being knit together in this new community that they called the church. Already there started to be, you know, lies and, and what we would call today cults. Weird twistings. And, and I guess the draw of cults is they use certain scriptures, but there's always a weird twist to it that has messed a lot of people up, obviously, over the years. And that was happening there. And so Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus. He goes, look, there's tricksters out there. There's people that are, that are trying to manipulate people or get it for money. They use craftiness. They're plotting. He goes, but you speak the truth in love. And uh, James who is now saying his culture was that everybody would, I swear by the gold of the temple, I'm going to do this. And maybe they would, or maybe they wouldn't. James takes his teaching about don't swear, you know, just say yes and mean yes, and say no and mean no. He takes his teaching from his elder brother, Jesus himself. Matthew chapter five, verse 34, Jesus said, but I say to you, do not swear at all neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes, and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Saying what you mean and meaning what you say, something that comes to me, and maybe some of you will be able to relate to this. I I wanna go to our grandparents. Not even our parents, which is a different generation, but our grandparents' generation. On my mom's side, um, uh, you know, there was Grandpa Brown and their family from West Virginia. He was a carpenter. And then Grandpa Bentley's side, uh, he was a farmer starting in Oklahoma and made their way finally further west. Uh, So a farmer and and a carpenter there. And. My grandfather, Brown, was one, one of the things I remember, being young and hearing the stories about him, is that he was a man who kept his word. Now, we live in a time where nobody trusts anybody. And you, everything is done and then they want lawyers and they want it in like triplicate form and then they want copies of it and wax seals and then you have to go through all these gyrations and then the thing falls apart anyway. And you go, what does anything mean? But there was a time and there was a generation, our grandparents' generation, where my grandfather Brown, who was a carpenter, and you know, they kind of, they don't have large margins, especially when he was younger, you just made enough money to kind of put bread on the table. Occasionally, you make a a bid, an estimate, and it comes up, you end up short or whatever. And my grandfather would say, I gave my word. So he would take and he would suffer the loss or the hurt. So I'm thinking, a young guy growing up in modern times, Grandpa, you go back to him, you talk to him, you say, look, I went and this happened and and I got to readjust it or whatever. And he goes, he would look at me like I'm from another planet. I gave my word. I'm like, so? He's like, I gave my word. My word is more important to me than money. And so when I'm young you hear that and it just kinda, you know, you just hear it and then you grow up and you see all these people that lie and cheat and steal and change and shift and nobody trusts anybody and it's kind of a world gone crazy in many ways. And it seems like really there was a time where somebody, if he gave his word, his word was his bond and he backed it up. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? How many think it'd be great to go back to those days? When you gave your word, it meant something. When God speaks, he says, here Psalm 138 verse two, God says, I exalt my word above my name. If I give my word, it's true. And the word became flesh and the word dwelt among us and the word's name is Jesus. Jesus is God's word and talk about taking you know, loss for the giving of his word. Man, I love you and will forgive you. He was crucified for us. That's, that's, if he gives his word. If, as Paul said, if, he, if God gave his son to die for you and if Jesus gave his life for you, how much more will he not freely give us all things who are now in Christ Jesus? We live in a time you, so you see people, like when you're teaching your children And and you see people that that raise the level of their tone or of their voice or they keep saying it again and again or or kids learn, they're they're great little psychologists, that if the first time that you say no doesn't really mean anything and if I keep badgering them and a hundred times from now they're going to go okay just out of exasperation. Where we learn that yes means yes and that no means no is at home. And where we teach the value of words and the meanings of words. James said, don't swear, just say yes. And when you say yes, mean yes. And when you say no, say no and mean no. And people, if, if children can learn to trust the words of their own mother and father, that will help them and go a long way to then when they come to the word of God, saying, well, I guess when God speaks, he must mean what he says also. Now, look with me in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is any among you suffering, or in other word, is afflicted? Then let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Praying. We talked about the power of prayer, uh, that a believer is not somebody who complains about things, they talk to God about things, and they talk to the Lord about things. When he says, is anyone suffering or suffering affliction? It is interesting to me that James seems to make a distinction between afflictions and sickness. If you're suffering afflictions, you need to pray. If you're sick, well, then you need to call for the elders and come forward and have hands laid on you and be anointed with oil and the prayer of the elders and the prayer of the righteous will make, it's like almost a separate thing. And if I could make then a, a little distinction here. In other words, if I am afflicted by something or some circumstance, James says, I need to pray and seek God and say, Father, are you trying to tell me something through this affliction? Are you trying to teach me something through this affliction? Too often, we are not really sensitive to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. It is extremely important. God, your Father's will for you and me is that we learn how to be led easily, guided gently, almost as if you could follow the gentle whispers of of a breeze and to be led by the Spirit. Jesus is our role model and he is our example. What did he do? Every morning he would wake up and it says his ear was open to his Father. And he lived basically one day at a time. Sometimes our problem is we're trying to live a whole decade in one day. One of the liberating things that that takes some reprogramming probably for us, especially in Western culture, we put more pressure on ourselves than God ever did, is to learn how to live, just make it through today. So Jesus would open his ear and say, Father, what is your will for me today? And the father might say, well today, You're gonna get on a boat and you're gonna go across and you're gonna do some teaching. Another day, he might wake up and say, now today, you're going to feed a multitude. A miracle is going to happen. I want you to teach about it, son. On another day, the father might say, son, I want you to change course, go through Samaria. You only have one person that I want you to connect with today. There's a woman waiting for you in Samaria. How awesome is that? So you don't have a list that you have to go through. You talk to the father, he goes, I only have one thing for you to do today. Do that and you have fulfilled my will. Jesus goes to Samaria and he meets this woman and he changes her life. She runs into the village, come meet the man that told me everything about my life and a whole village comes then to Jesus, the fruit of that. So often we want this big long list, what do I need to do to do the will of God so I can have peace in my life and it may be very small and very simple and just follow that one thing. But being led by the Spirit. Often, we come up with a plan, we have a schedule, we have our daytimers, and we, we map it all out, and then we invite God to come bless all the plans that we have made. <laughs> God may have other ideas, he may have other agendas. I'm quite sure that by and large, his are far smaller, shorter, briefer, easier, and simpler, why? Because Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We put more pressure on ourselves than our Father ever intended for us to carry. So I don't know about you, but that motivates me to go, okay, I wanna know what is, how do I be led by the Spirit? I want a life that is light and that is free so that I can enjoy my walk with God. There will be days that God will have affliction, and there will certainly be days that are joyful. And when those days come, sing and rejoice and be cheerful in the
0: presence of the Lord. Pastor Ray Bentley is helping correct our perspective today from our studies in chapter 5 of the book of James. Glad you've joined us today here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, Help Has Arrived. If you missed any part of today's message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word Media, and you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo, three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And you'll also find Pastor Ray's books there at raybentley.com. His new book, The Final Witness, is an engaging prophetic fiction novel, part of the Elijah Chronicles series. It's riveting and educational at the same time. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world.